What's up, guys? Welcome back to another Sport Universe podcast. It's me, Brian, joined with Nick. What's going on, guys? All right, so um, probably going to be a shorter podcast this week. Just not a lot going on, but we'll start with football. Uh, sure. So obviously with the draft being in our past now, um, teams, I can't, you know, I feel like keep harping on the draft is, is not, you know, I, I think that a lot of companies and people in the media like to harp on the draft over and over and over again because it sells, sells, you know, it, it uh, sells ratings. But at the end of the day, I can't get, catch my words right now, but at the end of the day to really harp on these draft picks, in my opinion, is fruitful. Um, with the fact that, you know, we really don't know how they're going to pan out. You can continue to grade them over and over again, but yeah. until we get to the season, you don't really don't know. Um, with that being said, there is other news in the NFL going on this week. Um, I guess the big starting off with Andy Dalton, he was released by the Bengals, um, and then he was quickly signed by the Cowboys for a one-year $7 million deal, mm-hmm. with $3 million of that being guaranteed. So he is now off the market. A lot of people thought he might have gone to the Patriots, but that is is no longer the case. Um, beyond that, we have seen, uh, you know, we saw uh, Jameis Winston. He was obviously released earlier by the Buccaneers, and he was just signed to a one-year contract for the Saints. Uh, he's going to go back up Drew Brees, and it's kind of a cor- uh, crowded quarterback room over in New Orleans now with uh, Jameis Winston being there. Um as, as well as Taysom Hill, who's expected to maybe take to respot. Uh, who knows? It is a one-year deal. We'll have to see what happens. Maybe Jameis Winston's banked on the fact that Drew Brees met sit out a couple games, hmm. and that he'll be able to play and prove himself, and then maybe get a contract elsewhere. Um, definitely to be uh, to be watched situation there. Uh, going further, there also there have been a bunch of teams declining the fifth-year options. So if you guys don't know what fifth-year options are. Uh, when you sign a first-round draft pick, uh, the first four years, I believe, are are guaranteed. You so when you draft somebody, how it works is you get the rights to sign that player for four years under the under a rookie contract, mm-hmm. as well as if you draft them in the first round. Um, you know, it might be three years, and then you get a fourth and a fifth-year option, mm-hmm. um, based on whether first round. I, I know for a fact that first first-round draft picks you get a fifth-year option. Basically, a team gets to decide whether they want to extend their contract that extra year going forward. And a lot of teams are, are declining that fifth-year option. I'm pretty sure it's four years, and then the fifth year they get the decline or accept. Um, notably, uh, as of late, we had Mitch Trubisky. His option was declined, which basically tells us that for the Bears this year, it's, it's make it or break it for Trubisky. He's either got to prove himself this year, or they're probably going to let him go. Um, we also saw Leonard Williams. He, he is also uh, – not Leonard Williams, uh, Leonard Fournette, rather. Right. We saw him under the same situation. Um you know, in terms of that, they declined his fifth-year option. So a lot of players getting their fifth-year options declined, particularly at the running back spot, is is interesting. I think it goes further to show that uh, teams really don't value um, running backs anymore. You know, if they really valued Leonard Fournette, the Jaguars would have signed him to a bigger contract at this point, and they have yet to do so. Uh, and obviously, Leonard Fournette, as everybody knows, has uh, displayed his discontent with the Jaguars franchise. So I think it might be a mutual parting of ways after this year. Um, so we'll have to see where that goes. We'll have to see where Mitch Trubisky goes if he doesn't make it on the Bears after this year and uh, Nick Foles takes over his spot. Yeah. Um, um, also, moving. I wanted to point out with that, that's like um, for those that want to – I don't know. If any of you guys are Jets fans that are listening, that's what's been going on with Jamal Adams and the Jets. Um, apparently, the fifth-year option is going to be picked up, but for a while um, it wasn't clear if the Jets were going to do that. And – um, that's what created the whole like controversy between Jamal Adams and the front office of the Jets. 
hundred percent. Yeah, it's just it's it's tough because the you know Jamal Adams his trade value is as high as it's going to be, and if if they can't work out a deal, then the yeah. Jets the Jets do want to trade him while he has that value. But obviously, I think he's worth keeping, and I think every everybody in football as well as Jets fans, everybody knows that Jamal Adams is a player worth keeping. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's a tough situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, moving on from there, we saw Joe Staley retire. Um, he played for the 49ers for uh, 13 seasons. Um, you know, starting offensive tackle there for so long. He earned six Pro Bowl selections. Uh, possibly a Hall of Famer one day. We'll have to see. Um, you know, really good tackle. Uh, congrats on a great career to him. As a result, the 49ers did trade for uh, Trent Williams, and they picked him up. Who had been discont- had good discontent with the Redskins for a while now, so I think it's a really big pickup for the 49ers. He was one of the best offensive tackles in the league before he decided not or he couldn't play last year. Um, you know whether it was to injury or his choice is still to be determined, but um, for sure he'll definitely play for the 49ers and it'll probably be pretty good for them. Uh, the Chiefs released their longtime punter Dustin Colquitt. Um, you know, sort of big news because he's one of the best punters in the league, and now he's off the Chiefs. Um, Assumingly, it's going to be a contract issue. Uh, they're trying to save cap space, and they don't think he's worth the money that they were going to have to pay him moving forward. Um, and beyond that, uh, some some notable free agents left uh, on the board right now. Uh, Logan Ryan, cornerback out of t- uh, Tennessee, he's still available. Uh, pretty good cornerback with some some. He's he's a veteran, but he still has some uh, rubber on those tires. Um, Jadavian Clowney, obviously, what biggest free agent left? Um, but it's obviously going to be the hardest to sign. Uh, I believe the Seahawks and the Tennessee Titans have offered him multiple contracts, and he shot down all of them. That's what the rumor is, because he wants X amount of money, and no team's willing to give him that right now. Um, so we'll have to see where he goes. Obviously, Cam Newton's still on the board. Um, you know, I honestly think Cam Newton could sign with the Patriots at some point, but we'll have to see. And uh, then I think I think in my opinion there's more I guess some bias some biases me as a Giants fan is Marcus Golden still on the board had over ten sacks for the Giants last year, you know he's been a ten to twelve sack player uh, per year for a while now, and I think his value is definitely underrated. The Giants did sign a certain tenure on him that if he doesn't get signed before July twentieth I believe twenty second he does go back to the Giants so we'll have to mm. see how that works out. I think he's worth signing. I think a team should pick him up. Um, so those are, those are some notable free agents left. And then I wanted to talk a little bit about the Patriots situation. It's obviously kind of weird, and there's a little bit of controversy going on. Is Bill Belichick trying to tank, not picking a quarterback this year? Mm. Um, you know, what happened with the draft? Why did he pick the Division Two guy in the second round? Uh, ultimately, here's my – I just wanted to throw out my theory uh, for this moving forward. Uh, number one, picking a quarterback for Bill Belichick is really important. He needs to find the right guy, um, and I don't think it's a decision he wants to rush. Uh, so, so, you know, not picking quarterback this year, he may wait a year and ultimately he may be trying to build the rest of the team before he puts a quarterback in a bad situation. He could be looking to solidify the offensive line. Obviously he went pretty heavy secondary linebacker defense this year. Um, so he's probably trying to solidify the rest of the team and then maybe attack the offense in next year's draft as well as work on some free agent signings. Um, secondarily to that, um, I forgot what I was going to say. Why am I blanking on what I wanted to say? <laughs> God. Um, I, you know, him picking a quarterback is really important. And I think that, um, that like, next year with Trevor Lawrence being in the mix. Oh, I remember what I wanted to say. With Trevor Lawrence being in the mix, um, that 
that he could be waiting for him. I think Trevor Lawrence is one of the best quarterback prospects we've seen in a while. In, in my opinion, he's, he didn't have the gra- as great of a year as he did his freshman year. But I think next year, if he continues to develop, if he continues to develop and get better over this summer, he could, he could see another Joe Burrow type season where yeah. it's not not really the nothing to everything type of Joe Burrow situation, but more uh, you know those numbers and that historic season that Joe Burrow had. You know, you could see those type of numbers out of uh, Trevor Lawrence next year. My Heisman favorite. Um, so the Patriots could be going for him, uh, but ultimately. You know, beyond everything I just said, I think the the Patriots did want a quarterback in this year's draft. Um, based on uh, Bill Belichick, he said in an interview, I believe somebody asked him why he didn't pick a quarterback, and he said in the interview it wasn't by design. Ultimately, um, in the second round, the Patriots were a few picks behind the Eagles, and I think the Patriots were going to probably go for Jalen Hurts. Uh, he has the leadership that I think Bill Belichick was looking for, the dynamic ability that he has, and I think that Bill Belichick also realizes the football skill or IQ that he has, and he could have he could have um, could have mentored that and made him another Tom Brady in terms of he may not be the most he might not be the best athlete or have the best arm, but he can pick apart your defense with his mind and and his decision making abilities. And I think that's probably what the Patriots were probably trying to do with Jalen Hurts in the second round. But obviously the Eagles took him, and we'll have to see what he does with the Eagles. I think he's going to have a similar to similar to a Taysom Hill type of role. And then the Eagles will probably trade him at some point once his value gains. Mm. It's definitely pop, those are all possibilities of the Eagles. But I, again, I do think the Patriots were going for a quarterback in that second round with Jalen Hurts, and they just didn't get him. Gotcha. Um, and Bill Belichick probably didn't see that move coming from uh, Doug Peterson. Mm. All right, so and, uh, Hauser, and uh, I forget the Eagles GM name, but I digress. <laughs> all right, um, I guess that's it for football. Do you want to talk about? the street thing for Las Vegas with the NBA, and then I'll just do the rundown. Yeah, sure. So Brian's going to handle the NBA, but uh, I had a little bit of a rumor going around in terms of the NBA. So the NBA, obviously, uh, LeBron's confirmed it multiple times that they're trying to continue the season at all costs, Mm -hmm. um, whatever way they can do it. Um, And one of the reasons, one of the ways, rather, that they've proposed in doing this is that there's a rumor that the NBA will... I guess rent out a strip in Las Vegas and they will use, I believe it's the MGM resort. They have an arena there. They can turn into a court and basically all the players and their families would stay in one strip in Las Vegas, all confined in one area. They'll all be tested constantly. You know, it's a pretty controlled environment and they'll be able to play in one arena only. Hmm. Um, it's a possibility. It's, it's a way to minimize spread, a way to, to, I guess, have a safer environment. How feasible it is. I don't know. And, and how real is, is the technical rumor? I don't yeah. know, but it would be interesting. It kind of reminds me of the Arizona idea for baseball that they were talking about, about having all the players there, but I'm going to get into that later. Um, So really the NBA rundown. um, The biggest thing to come out this week is that um, one of the other reasons that the NBA is having trouble coming back is that GMs are worried about the older coaches, the older coaches, um, just off the top of your top of my head, like Greg Popovich. Um, A lot of these players, a lot of these coaches are in their 60s close to 70 um and obviously the older you get the worse getting the coronavirus could be and that's something that the gms are worried about and i'm sure everyone's worried about and they've basically been talking about how to get the nba back they'd have to just like limit any personnel that's there um i you it's really hard to limit the coaches not being there which is probably a big problem for them um so that's probably like the biggest thing right now that came out the NBA is also discussing um, delaying the 2020-2021 season till December um, because 
let's say the current NBA starts up in the next month or two, um, it won't end till September, October, around that time. And you want to give the players as much chance to have some type of rest. We talked about how um, this is kind of like could be considered their rest period because it's so long. But then again, you're starting up the season and then there's there's going to be a little time where they're going to need to rest. And let's just say it ends October till December. That's like two months maybe a month and a half. So it won't be as long as a break between NBA seasons, but that's what they're thinking about doing right now. Um, And the last thing I wanted to talk about, so the last dance, um, the whole Michael Jordan uh, series. I haven't watched any of them, but I think it's being a little overplayed. Like any sport, any basketball news I see is just last dance stuff. I don't know if Nick has this opinion, but I, I feel like, I don't care that much. <laughs> like I like I was I was on ESPN today, um, on the NBA homepage, I guess. And the first article there was about Michael Jordan shoes. Like that's that's not sports news. That's not what I go to ESPN for. Um there's not like a lot for me to say about this, but any basketball news I hear is just about what did Scottie Pippen think about Michael Jordan back then? What did um who was the last player they just focused on? Um, uh, Dennis Rodman. Yeah, what did Dennis Rodman like? I think it's a little bit. I don't know. What do you think? Um, for me, I'd say it's not overblown at all, mm. and here's why. I think number one, it's it's a portion of a uh, portion of why it's so popular right now is the coronavirus. There's not much other news going on. Yeah. Um. So I I think that part's obvious, but I think secondarily, and this is not something that me or you really experienced because before we was born, before mm. we were born, but like the that that ninety that you know the nineteen nineties Chicago Bulls team really revol, revolutionized sports. Hmm. Um, you know, before Michael Jordan, uh, you know, people weren't as interested in basketball. Number one, um, number two, like shoes, like sports shoes, really didn't sell like that. You know, hmm. he was the first person to make wearing like an athlete's shoe really that you know that thing. Like if you had his shoes, it's a it, it, you're a different you're a different type of cool. You're the cool cat. Um, <laughs> So I think, you know, the combination of those, obviously the greatness of the team speaks for itself. Um, six championships is, is a lot in that span of time. Um, you know, the, the, arguably the greatest dynasty in basketball history, um, as well as sports history. Um, I think, you know, th- those sort of things, in the combination with documentary itself, you know, Dennis Rodman's always been a character. Michael Jordan has really never came out into the light in terms of his in terms of his background and his everyday experiences. He's always been out of the shadows. And Scottie Pippen, for the most part, has too. Um, and then Dennis Rodman's been a little more expressive about it, but he's also such a character. I think the combination of Scottie Pippen and Michael Jordan, you know, not really sharing their experiences for so long, as well as Dennis Rodman being such a character and Phil Jackson being the greatest coach, basketball coach of all time. Uh, you know, what, what the culture phenomenon that the, the, the 90s Chicago Bulls were, what the fact that the, the coronavirus is going on. I think the culmination of those things is really what's propelling uh, this documentary to the top. You know, I've watched every single episode, and I think they're really good. I, I personally find a lot of interest in them. They're really interesting to see. You know, the fact that Dennis Rodman really could, uh, in the middle of the season, take a, a forty-eight hour vacation in Las Vegas and then come back in, and play. Uh, you know, it kind of reminded me of um, the Hangover, where they all go and party Las Vegas and then act like everything's normal afterwards. <laughs> um, I, it was kind of funny because I know part of the mid die. I was watching the documentary. It's really interesting. They have. Dennis Rodman, he's drinking a beer, and then he hops on a motorcycle and rides away. And I'm like, that's kind of incriminating. <laughs> um, just just a tidbit of a, a 
something I picked up from watching it. I, guess, I don't know. I think I find it interesting, but I think the culmination of those things is what's really propelling. What I'm more just saying is like ESPN to me is like for sports news and this documentary they're they're making it seem like it's some like big sports news when it's happened like nineteen eighty six, so like thirty uh, no. Yeah, like thirty years ago. Like if it was like I guess I'm not explaining it right, but what I'm trying to say is like ESPN has so little to focus on that this is like not to be like just like outspoken against ESPN, but they have so little to focus on that this is like what they're considering major sports news and I'm like getting alerts on my phone when I want to be getting sports alerts, but it's just last dance alerts. And I know I can turn those off, but it's not I don't think I'm sure the documentary is really good. I just think like it's being overplayed into like this major sports news when it happened like 40 years ago. I mean, I definitely agree with you on part of it because I think the one part they really harped on was Isaiah Thomas did not shaking Michael Jordan's hand after they beat him in the finals. Yeah, that's one of them. I think that that's so overblown. Like, in the grand scheme of things, that's such a little moment in time. Yeah. Like, to to quote Michael Jordan, he says, like, you're not going to convince me Isaiah Thomas wasn't an asshole. (laughs) (laughs) And, like, like, at the end of the day, like, what was Isaiah Thomas wrong for that? Yes. Um, but at the same time, like, they're like, oh, Michael Jordan has this huge grudge against him. Michael Jordan's like, yeah, he should have shook my hand. He, he wasn't right for it. Yeah. And Isaiah Thomas, and Ty Thomas, Isaiah Thomas is like, he knows he's not right for it. And he's like, but at the same time, I got to try to protect myself. You know, I got to explain the reasons why I did it at that point. Mm. You know, and that's it. But they, they, it's not that big of a deal. Like, yeah. he didn't shake his hand. So, so what? You know, not great sportsmanship. All right, move on. Yeah. Not that big of a deal. <laughs> It just seems, I don't want to spend so much on this, but like, it just seems like, I, before this, I was like, what's ESPN going to focus on for this whole time? And now they have the last dance to focus on, but they're taking it to a point where it's like major news. It's just really a documentary that happened 40 years ago. And that's really why it's bothering me, but that's it. Um, so let me get into baseball. This is like actually kind of interesting. So um, baseball, there's been a lot of proposals about how they could come back. The first major one was the Arizona League, which we talked about, where um, all the team, all the team's players would be housed in this, like, bubble in Arizona. Not a literal bubble, but, like, an area. Um, and they would be constantly tested. They wouldn't be able to see their family. They'd have to be quarantined. Um, they would only be playing on, like, four or five different fields in this Arizona area. Um, but a couple of days ago, news came out about MLB's three three-division league um, that could lead to baseball possibly starting in June. So basically what it is, is there's three divisions, the East, Central, and West. Obviously, if you know baseball, it's usually the NL East, NL Central, NL West, but they're getting rid of the National League and American League and just combining everything. Um, So in each division, those teams would only play the teams in their division, and they'd be able to play in their actual stadiums, which was a huge problem with the Arizona League. Um, they would be playing in Arizona, obviously. So basically how it's run down for the East League would be the Orioles, Red Sox, Marlins, Mets, Yankees, Phillies, Pirates, uh, Rays, uh, Blue Jays, and Nationals. And for the Central, it would be the Braves, Cubs, White Sox, Reds, Indians, Tigers, Royals, Brewers, Twins, and Cardinals. And for the West, it would be the Diamondbacks, Rockies, Astros, Angels, Dodgers, Athletics, Padres, Giants, Mariners, and Rangers. Um... Just looking at those te- at the teams that are in each division, the East and Central seem to be fine. But one of the bigger controversies coming out of this is that for the West, Houston Astros and Texas Rangers aren't really on the West Coast. Uh, 
um, and they'd be having to play six other, um, let me count. All right, well, I guess it's like eight other West Coast teams, um, and they'd have to fly in between time zones, um, and it's kind of, those are the two teams that would be really at risk um, for some not great things because all the other teams in the East, the Central, and the rest of the West, they don't have to worry about time zones, um, about, I guess, flying and things like that. Um, even though that is a disadvantage, I think this is probably their, the baseball's best, uh, dis- best option at this point. It keeps everyone um, with their families, first off. It keeps everyone where they live. Um, fans can watch their teams in their home ballparks. Um, it's going to take the worry about quarantining everyone in Arizona. That what if haps, what if someone gets it? It'll be able to keep it as keep baseball as durable as possible. And in my opinion, I think it makes the most sense and could be something that other sports leagues like the NBA tries to find a way to do. Do you have any opinions on it? Uh, you know, you know. At the end of the day, whatever idea works works. That's true. You know. <laughs> You know, it's hypothetical, like they could play here, could play there. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's all interesting stuff. At the end of the day, I, I feel like the league is just gonna go with whatever works best in terms of keeping the players safe and, and everybody safe. The one thing that um well this is gonna happen either way, but like whatever team wins the World Series this year, there's gonna be like probably like an asterisk next to their name going down in the history books because it's gonna be a completely different um setup to baseball. Gonna be a much shorter season and if it happens this way they're only going to be facing the teams in their division. And um, just, like, looking at some of them, honestly, they seem pretty even. The West has a lot of good teams in it. Uh, the Dodgers, the Rockies, the Diamondbacks, the Astros. But then again, there's a lot of good teams in all the other divisions. So it'll be interesting how like that dynamic plays out if they go with this way, but... Out of all the options that they made public, this seems to be the best one, in my opinion. Um, that's really for And just going okay. going off of that, um, about the asterisk thing, I forget who it was, but it was in terms of basketball. I want to say it was Donovan Mitchell or something like that. I forget who said it. Um, they said it's more of like a positive asterisk this year because, you know, in, in terms of the NBA specifically, I forget, again, I forget which player had said this, but he had mentioned the fact that, you know, Teams that were hot had to take a break, and everybody had to take a break, and pe- players had to show dedication to stay in shape and, mm. and and stay basketball ready during this time, and then be able to put it all together in the matter of a couple weeks, and then play the championship. Like the the difficulty of that is, is harder than like a regular season, um, and they said it was like more of a positive asterisk. So it's honestly it, it could be interesting. Yeah, I, I think that might be a little different though because the NBA season already started, and this would just mm-hmm. be like a whole season for baseball. Um, but off of that, is there any college stuff to talk about? There is a little bit of college stuff okay. this week. Um, not, not terribly big news, but it seems more and more like the athletes are going to get paid for their names and likeness by third parties, uh, mm-hmm. moving into 2021, 2022 for the NCAA, which is good news for the athletes. Um, I think it's something that should, you know, at the end of the day should happen. The athletes have, have need to be paid for a while. I mean, me and Brian had discussed this a while back. And it just seems like the NCAA is moving to- further and further towards paying the athletes. So uh, that's that's all the news there is. But, it, you know, it should be interesting to see what kind of terms come out of that because the NCAA always has something up their sleeves. 
Is it going to be like, yeah, you can get paid for it, but the NCAA gets X amount cut from every time you get paid? Who knows? Oh. You know, we'll have to see what the what the rules and regulations are if the NCAA decides to change them and everything that works out. But yeah, that's the news for the college. Hmm. Gotcha. Um, is there coronavirus stuff to talk about? There is a little bit of coronavirus stuff to talk about. Um, like so I guess I guess to go into that. Uh, so for the coronavirus, obviously, it seems as a country, we're over the peak now, and as well as regionally, um, you know, they are expecting, in terms of surges, maybe some surges in rural areas, because it really hasn't hit there yet, mm. and as the spread continues, that's one place it's going to start to hit harder, um, you know, and, and that, keeping that in mind, you know, we're moving towards moving back to regular society, and, you know, medical experts are warning not to do it too quickly, um, which I, I, I definitely agree with, but at the same time, this is this is more my opinion rather than medical experts at this point. Um, just to, just to keep, keep that at the forefront. Um, you know, I believe we're more far than ready than go back to normal. At the end of the day, I think what we should do as a country, again, not medical experts, just me, me off the top of my head and me thinking logically, is to put the most vulnerable pe- vulnerable people, keep protecting them, keep sheltering them away from society as long as possible. Uh, people with heart conditions, older people, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and allow you know regular for the most part <clears throat> generally regular people uh you know people who are younger and, and healthier to go back to normal society obviously the disease doesn't hit them as hard um statistically as well as you know just a- anecdotally it doesn't seem that way um so i think going back to normal with the, those people first <clears throat> i think is what we're going to do regardless but i think it's time we should do that originally when we started to quarantine and socially distance the idea was to limit the uh, the taxing on our healthcare systems, not to put them over the line. Um, you know, sp- flatten the curve was was the original go to saying. And you know, I, I think at that point, now that we're over the peak, our hospital systems are not going to be overwhelmed. We have the supplies necessary to handle uh, a somewhat of a surge. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're more. We have tests. We have a- antibody tests coming out. We have tests to see if you're positive for it. You know, we have those things in place. So I think we're I think we're ready as a country, especially with the fact that we're over the peak, to really go start to go back to normal life um, across the country. Um, with that being said, places like New York should be one of the later places to do it because the numbers are so high there. But I think places like you know Georgia, LA, where the numbers are not that high, you know you could start to reopen things, and that's what we're seeing. So that, that's I, that's a good sign. Um, you know, it's it's been a pretty difficult time for me as well as everybody else. So it's a good thing that to know that it's somewhat coming to an end soon. Um, and the question will be, will always lie, you know, are the treatments that we're going to have effective? What percent of the population got it? How bad is the mortality rate? You know, these things <clears throat> are going to take time to really uncover. But as we go forward, the fact that less people are getting it, less people are dying is, is numbers that we really can't deny and numbers that aren't really debatable. And it's a good thing, you know, obviously with people not dying, um, keeping that in mind, there is a little bit more news on treatments, um, in my opinion, based on what I've read, as, as well as experts like Dr. Fauci, uh, I believe the world has found its first uh, 100% treatment for the coronavirus. Um, you know, 100%, when I mean 100%, what I mean by that is that it, it works very effectively, number one. Number number two, it doesn't have many side effects or, or negatives to using it. It only has shown, you know, generally positives so far. And that's going to be the drug called remdesivir. Um, originally, it was an HIV drug. And they've tested it on over a thousand patients <clears throat> at a hospital dude in LA, and success rate was very good. Um, in terms of statistically, uh, it shortened on average people's, uh, you know, people, you know, again, all these p- patients that were tested were in critical condition, very severe 
uh, cases of the coronavirus. Um, it shortened their duration of the disease from 14 to 11 days, which is a 31% decrease, which is very good, as well as um, it it decreased the mortality rate from 11% roughly to about 8%, which is a 3% decrease. So the effectiveness, obviously, is not 100%. But the, and, and also given just to know that these results are to a P, I believe, of 0.001, which, you know, statistically, to break that down for you guys that don't know how that works in terms of if you don't know science and statistics, uh, P value of 0.001 essentially means that the, the, this, the study is accurate to 99.999% chance, uh, rather 99 point, it's not, it's 0.001% likely due to chance. So it, again, it's ninety nine point nine 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 percent accurate. Mm-hmm. It, it can be confirmed. So, in terms of you know pharmaceutical country uh, companies, that's kind of the percent they have to go off of. I believe it's point oh oh one percent. So that those numbers are, if you know, obviously it's just a number until you really put it in perspective. That number is very accurate. It's pretty. It's it's very proven with that study. Um, obviously, uh, more studies are going to have to be done. The FDA did um allow is now allowing emergency use of it across the country. Remdesivir. Um, but I believe within a few more studies, we should be able to see better, uh, better and better results if they do follow that study, and we'll be able to use that uh, more commonly throughout the U.S. which and throughout the world, which is a very good sign. Um, again, not it's not a treatment, it's not a cure, but it's a very good treatment. It's it's very effective in terms of it's going to have a good effect and it's not going to have any negative effects, mm. and it's it's looking really good so far. So obviously, with that being said, hydroxychloroquine on the other hand has shown some negative effects. Um, some negative side effects, and it hasn't been 100% proven. So it looks like the world's going to move on, move forward with remdesivir. Um, pretty interesting stuff. Uh, you know, good news for the world. Um, hopefully, hopefully it'll be even more effective, and hopefully it'll maybe even turn into a cure if they can modify. It. Who knows how things are going to play out? But you know, and all in all, good news. Are there any other updates on like a vaccine for it? Uh, the vaccine, I've heard. You know, there's rumors. It's hard to say because you got to remember that vaccines, you know, especially in America, are being produced by private companies, mm, and they're not going to give. Um, and so the, these private companies will will say we're going to have you know it's it's a race to find whoever gets the vaccine first because yeah. not only is it good for America but it's good for their pockets at the end of the day. Mm. It's a mutual benefit. Um, so even though that kind of sounds morbid, but you know the companies got to make a profit somehow. Yeah. And pharmaceutical companies, everybody knows, they're very profitable especially when you have a worldwide pandemic and you're the only person that has the vaccine. Um, So, you know, they're they're racing to find it. I promise you. Um, I've heard rumors that I believe it was in Sweden, a Swedish company said they're going to have it by September. Don't know how, don't know how valid that is, but um, we'll have to see how it turns out. You know, companies will say stuff like that to, to give, you know, their investors hope Mm. and to maybe scare off other companies for saying, damn, we're, we're so far behind them. That's not even worth, trying oh, that's true. um who knows um you know this, this is real life not everything's uh pillows and, and cuteness <laughs> yeah that's one way to put it um so i guess that's all the coronavirus stuff and yep. that's it for the our podcast any final mm-hmm. thoughts nicholas um not much you know i hope you guys are staying safe um my finals are here and i've been dealing with a bunch of stuff so i've been pretty busy um, other than that, if you guys, I'm about to, he hasn't really contacted me yet. I'm still waiting on him. He should contact me really soon. I should be on, uh, somebody else's podcast. The podcast is Sports called, the box. um, Sports Outside the Box, which is an affiliate of us. I'm going on his podcast today. 
Not sure when he's going to post that podcast, but I'm just going to be reviewing the Giants draft in 2020, uh, going over more in depth of each pick and what I, how I think the outlook of the Giants is going to be moving forward. Uh, should be pretty interesting. You know, I don't necessarily get to talk strictly about the Giants here um, because we do cover all the sports, but I do like to, you know, me and Brian are both fans, so we'd like to share our tidbits and little expertise because we are fans. Uh, but that should be a good opportunity for me to really go in depth about the Giants draft picks. So, um, if you guys are interested, go and check out Sports Outside the Box. Um, other than that, hope you guys are doing well. Um, if you guys want to contact me, you can contact me at my Instagram at nick.horvat, at my email at nicholashorvat10 at yahoo.com, or at my Twitter at nickhorvat61. Uh, stay happy, stay safe, uh, stay healthy. Uh, see you guys next week. Handing it over to Brian. Uh, regarding uh, the podcast, Nick's going to be on. It's He puts it up on his Instagram, and then it goes to our Instagram story, so you can find it there whenever he posts that. Um, anything else? I have five. This is my last week of classes, and then I have finals. Um, but I have a bunch of final projects because teachers don't want to do exams, so I have to start working on that. Uh, other than that, not much. I went outside for the first time in a while. Um, <laughs> I went on a run, which was nice. Um, got him. I, I was wearing a mask when I passed by people, so no one say anything. Um, that's really it. Um, yeah, I guess so. We'll be back next week. Um, if you have any comments, you can DM us. Check out our videos on YouTube, Instagram. We're doing we have point of views and cinematics, stuff like that. Uh, our website with articles. If you have any interest writing for us, editing videos, or any, any way you think it could help, contact the sport universe 2019 at gmail.com. Other than that, thanks for listening. Bye.